0: I've had
1: social anxiety disorder since, uh, since I was a child and I can say that I wasn't diagnosed until I was in the military when it was reactivated from my time mm. in the military. So that type of thing you can have since you were a child, but the military allows for me to have sexual, I mean, social anxiety disorder because it was aggravated by the military.
0: Interesting. Okay. All right. So <laughs> no, no, this is, this is, you cannot imagine how important this is. And one of the things about this show is that just the transparency and I appreciate you, you know, talking about your own personal experience and what you're going through. Um, you're, 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 you're kind of, you know, going against the whole HIPAA regulations.
1: <laughs> but you can, talk, you, can, you can talk about it if you want to and you I can, can there's no don't ask don't
0: tell here exactly and that's kind of the rules of this show because there is a wealth of people out there that listen i got right now and i'm not trying to plug the show but we've already crossed over three mil uh three something uh thousand subscribers on youtube and a whole lot more on our podcast which means that people are listening and it's Mm -hmm. important that we can try to share this because hopefully there's somebody out there who's probably calling their therapist as we speak. So yeah. that's important. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um this The your legislative efforts um before we go into some of your challenges can you give us a background how you ended up you know sort of coming a legislative advocate you're no longer in the military and yet you're still out there feels like on the front lines fighting for people like yourself and me and anybody else who's actually been victim those that are active etc uh talk about how you kind of came into this and then of course some of your biggest challenges
1: okay so um I've always been a government nerd and with uh, rules and regulations and legislative things and then coming into sexual assault and sexual harassment, a lot of the rules and regulations are coming out of Congress and also by from the DOD on specific rules. So that's how I really got into it. But when the situation of Vanessa Guillen was coming up, a lot of grassroots movements have been getting collected and coming together and pretty much talking together on how to protest. And that's how I got in touch with a few of the women with the military women's coalition. And with the legislative process, I really got into Indeed um, myself and to understand what rules that we can actually make a change in, how we can make it better for the next person or make it better for the veterans that we already have. Um, that was one of the initiatives that I've always taken upon myself in my military career. I wanted to get to the next rank so then I can make it better for other people. So I don't have to, so I'm not the only one, or I'm the last one to go through this, is what mm-hmm. I meant to say. So no one else can go through what I went
0: through. Right. Right. So it's a—it's not just a personal thing. It's a mission. It's a purpose. Now, is this a full time job for you? Um, Are you employed or are you doing this voluntarily? What's kind of the status uh, uh, with doing this?
1: So technically I am um, I'm paid as 100 percent disabled because um, I have migraines uh, about two or three a week from a TBI I had that wasn't actually diagnosed until about six or seven years later. We didn't know what TBIs were, traumatic brain injuries. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And so um, then I started getting migraines um, years later from actually having more traumatic brain injuries. And so I am disabled. I don't work. But this is a volunteer thing for me. And I work for my house, and I put this together. So um, I will say, though, from the Vanessa Guillen, when the Vanessa Guillen bill came out, There was only 88 co-signers or co-sponsors for that bill. Oh. For the House, you need 219. Yeah. So what came on in the Women Veterans Facebook group is that we were trying to get people to volunteer, to call their representatives, to to actually sign up for this bill. We also started with the senators as well because um, at the same time, since it was such a short amount of time for the bill to stay alive, they did a companion bill, which means that they would introduce it in both houses. And as long as they get voted on with the same amount, uh, with the same language, they'll get approved together at the same time and then go to the president for signature. Well, that didn't happen, but what we did was that we got together and we put together call scripts, we put together letters and, and templates for people to volunteer themselves. To actually contact their congress people and one example that i like to use is uh, that congress people will listen to their con- their constituents mm-hmm. back when sandy hook was a big thing and they were putting in a bill for uh, gun control this one uh, representative who did not disclose his name but he's from a very red district in a very red state he asked his staff um, how many people was against this bill. And it was basically everyone but one person. One person wanted the bill. And because of that one person, he voted for gun control. What? He wanted to be able to support everyone. But since there was one person that believed that they needed the bill, he went for it.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Things happen. Things changes because of the power of the constituents when it was uh, anti-privacy laws that was being submitted through for Facebook for you know uh, international IP addresses and those type of things have been going on there was a bill to remove the privacy controls and so then they can actually put in a uh, subpoena for IP addresses overseas. To catch which is, crime. Which absolutely. Sounds, which sounds like a good thing. But the thing is, is that you're also getting in cross privacy law. Exactly. Right. So when that passed the House, when it went to the Senate, that's when the constituents found out. And the constituents told their senators, you better not be voting for this bill. And the bill died.
0: The bill died. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People don't like the, What is the, what is the little, the phrase, the daddy or big daddy, what's the, uh, what's that, the, the term they use, you know, the one, big daddy or somebody watching, I forgot the oh, term. Oh yeah, I can't remember the term. <laughs> when I first started, I remember that, you used to hear that a lot. Um, you know what are some of your biggest challenges uh, as an advocate for legislation? I mean, is it the the frustration of how long it takes? Is it the frustration of trying to get somebody to listen and hear the importance? Um, is it the frustration that you put in all this work and something dies because somebody is just not really grasping the purpose? I mean, it can probably. I mean, what is it? Some of your biggest challenges or frustrations? All
1: of the above. <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you this so um veterans themselves they don't believe that they have an impact a lot of mm-hmm. veterans because they went through the military and you were always you know you're the joe schmo and you don't have like very much power because they were majority of them were probably e5 and below sergeants and below mm-hmm. and you don't have a whole lot of power at that rate and if you have toxic leadership and bad commanders and they're allowed to stay bad and allowed to do things that were not very kosher then pretty much you feel powerless and yeah. that's, that's a lot of feelings. so um veterans also don't want to talk about politics because they've been turned off by the polarizing politics that's been mm-hmm. happening lately um my family was split 50 50 when obama was voted in and i was, ah. thankful, I was thankfully deployed (laughs) so i wouldn't (laughs) have to be there for thanksgiving (laughs) i feel i also feel them for the politics fighting right right um so that is also frustrating and then you and what diana danis my mentor has always been telling me is that legislative change is cumulative it's a little bit and then you get a little bit and then you get a little bit so just having the i am vanessa game act introduced last year was a huge step because it was the most progressive and it got everybody talking about it and talking why they need it. So that is the frustrating part is it did die while other um, bills did not. And they weren't actually as big or, or um and They weren't in the media very often. The Tally Act. I love the Tally Act. The Tally Act is a very good thing. It's, it's about... Informing the veterans of what happens with their medical um, disabilities and things like that. That bill passed, which is great. And I'm so proud of Brian Howley that had gotten that. Yeah, yeah. But the Venice Aguian Act did not pass. And so it's one of those little frustrating things. Um, It does take a long time. And right now, the focus is on COVID, passing people in the uh, cabinets for President Biden, and then the impeachment for President Trump. So that's been the focus right now. So trying to maintain the focus for reintroducing the I Am Vanessa Keenan Act will also take some challenges.
0: Well, the good news is, like we mentioned earlier, Biden was VP at the time. Um, so, you know, we can kind of hold it. We got a good three and a half years. Uh, so hopefully we'll get a chance to get that in there before he goes anywhere. Um, you know, you talked about the uh, having access to our medical records. You know, one thing came, got through, one thing didn't get through. But, you know, I It takes me back to when I was an intern working at city council up in Sacramento, and I remember how some of the water cooler or backdoor conversations went about where you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And it makes me think maybe that was one of those type of circumstances, you know, so uh, let's hope that we can get there and um, with podcasts like this. And I will, I will actually title this under Vanessa's name. So, with all the hashtags and all the opportunities, um, and of course, letting people know your website, which by the way is www.valqrf, which is Registrator Legislator Quick Response Force. That's Victor Alpha Lima quebecromeofoxtrot.org and we're going to put that on the website on our YouTube channel so everybody can know about it and it'll be on all of our social media so you're going to be hashtagged a lot so yeah. if you start noticing things that's probably coming from this podcast
1: yes. <laughs> my Instagram has been popping up <laughs> oh. Dr. Brian has tagged me Dr. Uh, Brian has tagged me uh, all right that's,
0: absolutely that's great news to hear all right so yeah. as we wrap this up I want to ask a couple, one more thing so again Yeah, we mentioned the Registrator Legislative Response uh, Information. So that's actually a project. So let's get into that because that is so important. So I don't want to let you leave without talking a little bit more about this project. So why don't you explain to us about the Veteran Legislative uh, Quick Response Force?
1: Okay. So for that group and for the website, I'm including spotlighted bills that could help veterans and also the current military. I'll be including um, call scripts and templates. So then veterans and military, or even supporters of veterans in military could call their own congressman, leave a message, send them an email and tell them, hey, I want you to vote for this bill. I want you to co-sponsor it. So then we can pass it. And the reasons why we need to pass it. And all of that information will be in one stop shop on one website. Because originally we were doing it on a Facebook group, which is not the best organized for having all of that um, paperwork and all of that stuff and the documentation. Another thing that I'm trying to uh, get together is putting in a lot of statistics. And one of the statistics, and I've talked about one of the statistics prior for the DOD um, SAPPER program is about the retaliation. Another big one for sexual harassment, is only 1% of all of those that were sexually harassed actually filed a complaint. Wow. So um, here I'll have, and this was out of 2018, and so more men were technically sexually harassed in uh, FY18, that's 68,550 men out of the military. And for the women, it's 52,231.
0: Wow, those numbers are staggering.
1: And one of the things that I also believe, which relates to the men, is I don't, it's the thing with victims that they don't see themselves as a victim. They don't see it as sexual harassment towards themselves. And one of the things when I used to teach is that I would actually go through some of the examples of actual sexual harassment that turns into hazing for men. Right. Would you allow me to say a few of those? Ones? I'll try no, to-
0: I, 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 if you hadn't, I was going to actually kind of talk about my own personal, but thank you for bailing me out. So go ahead and you talk about some.
1: So um, it happens and you see it on a lot of frat situations. It's mm-hmm. teabagging. Teabagging yeah. is technically sexual harassment. And There was a um, situation at Poor Hood where they would use it as an initiation for the first people of an organization. I will not say because if I say uh, what type of organization, it might point it out. But yeah. um, they found out because somebody fought against it, and the other person had very terrible bleeding; they actually ruptured an artery. So that that's also one. And then you you would also see probably in PT formations is popping. The men's genitals, cock, yeah. right. and that's another sexual harassment situation. So any touching of his general genitals or the other person's genitals, un- without consent, is technically sexual harassment, and also sexual assault if you actually get into it. Right. Because it there is the touching involved.
0: And they. they- Irony is that you don't even know that it falls under that label because you're under the camouflage um, impression that it's hazing. Oh, okay, they're just initiating me. They they're testing my strength. They want to see if I'm going to be a part of the brotherhood. Am I going to hang in there? I get it. I absolutely get. It. But I didn't get it at the time.
1: Yes, and then when the military, specifically the army, really stamp down on hazing practices, sexual harassment complaints by men dropped. So there is a correlation between the two. And another very common thing for men is for sexual harassment that they, um, that the perpetrator is also their superior or higher in rank.
0: Oh, of course. Absolutely. Who else got the authority to do that to see if you're man enough to be in that unit? Um, you know, when I remember years ago, uh, in our early stages of Iraq, and uh, we had some issues with soldiers doing things they weren't supposed to do in jails with some of our captured um, enemy. I'm gonna say, but I'm trying to be as vague and blanket as possible because I really don't want to identify certain uh, groups of the forces of our. I know forces. exactly what you're talking
1: about. Okay,
0: so yeah, so um, you know when i saw that you know it was interesting because one of the things that they tried to bring light to was the the issue at hand the hazing and all that but the problem is we still continued Especially behind closed doors. I think they we just and I say we because I'm a military, not saying that I did it, but I tried not to separate myself from my brothers and sisters because we are all in this together. And I hope to continue to believe that because it's important for us to help those who probably didn't even know what they were doing. You know, you're a victim, and then sometimes you become an, an NCO, then you're gonna keep passing the you know the torch. So we're in this together. But my point is that you just got better at either hiding it because of some of the attention that came through in the media. But I think what it is, is that we still feel as speaking as a victim, we still feel that was it still required of me to go through this because I had to prove something. You know, I, I, I can't help but to take myself back and think about some of the circumstances. And I was in a special ops unit. I had to prove myself from, you know, there's one thing to have basic in AIT and then airborne school and then the Ranger indoctrination program. But it's another thing when you get to Ranger Battalion, you're still proving yourself every single day. And so when you go through certain situations that are very familiar with what you had said, you're thinking okay i i just doing my part and they did this they had to go through it as well so if i'm going to be accepted i have to accept this yes and that's a very unfortunate
1: yes and then another thing that happens a lot of times is um there's a myth that if you observe sexual harassment but it wasn't on you that you can't file a complaint that you that only the victim can file a complaint and I've had to to a lot of classes to inform a lot of people because there was situations in companies where the male NCOs would actually realize what another male NCO was doing towards the junior enlisted women. And they, instead of actually report it, they were just trying to make sure and keep him away from the women, which, I mean, it is, at least they did that, but it also perpetuated the situation that... What he's doing is still okay and still all right and so those type of situations are out there and a lot of education needs to happen and that is not happening because one of the things that they realized when they came out of the independent review from fort hood was that the training is redundant it hasn't changed and it's mostly of um just the powerpoints um flip the chart just trying to sign and get through on your annual training. So that type of thing happens still. It's a check the block, not an actual conversation with your subordinates or even your co-workers about what is sexual harassment, what is sexual assault, and why is it not acceptable.
0: You know, that's actually, um, I have not, like yourself, 100%. So I haven't actually been fully engaged in any of um, my previous employments. But when I was with the federal government, I remember doing that literal video and then going through it and then just basically clicking some sort of virtual signature and it goes in the system and that's it. And honestly, there was no accountability because I could have just fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. All right, I'm good and click and move on to my job. So... Yeah. Check the box. Um, You mentioned call scripts on your, on this uh, website. What exactly is call scripts? I'm pretty sure there's some people who may not understand what that
1: is. Well, call script, I mean, it's a script of how you can speak to your congressman or just the staff of the congressman. Most likely you're going to talk to the staff member (laughs) or an unpaid intern that's probably still in their um, bachelor college path. And it just tell, it gives you a script of how to say what you want to say on how to convince the uh, congressperson to vote for
0: the bill. Yeah, okay. So this again, everybody, this is hugely important. You can see this on her website. Um, again, I want to remind everybody that's VALQRF.org. All right, that's Veteran Legislative Quick Response Force. Go to her website, get access to this information save it in your browser and, and basically do what you can to support it. Um, any last words, Stephanie, for our audience before I let you go?
1: Oh, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> <You should.
0: laughs> we did we gave a lot of information and i'm really excited to get this out i'm going to talk to the production team and the editors we're going to uh, expedite this i want to make sure this is available um you and i will continue to talk offline this is hugely important to vanessa's family out there if you get a chance to listen to this i want to say you know my apologies but i'm here to help and support in any way i can and hopefully we will see some change in our military that is the most important we have generations and generations to go my son is active duty right now um and i can't imagine for him to have to experience or go through anything and he's actually serving in a frat type unit um so it you know But there is no, and and you can attest to this, you know, you're just not sure who, where, there's no, there's no color barrier, there's no, um, you know, racial barrier, there's no uh, MOS barrier. I mean, it covers all spectrums. So uh, I do keep my concerns. I do check in with them and it's important, but there's other kids and daughters and sons out there. We have the next generation. So we need to make things better for them. We absolutely do. So, and on that note, Stephanie, I want to thank you. You know, you have not only your personal sacrifice, but you're also still involved. You didn't give up and you're still out there fighting. So thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you. Yeah. When you realize when you have a disability like mine, you have to find something to give yourself purpose every day. So you can get yourself up and moving. And from other people that I know that also have similar disabilities or also unemployed because of their disabilities, you gotta find something to give yourself purpose. And this is it.
0: That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why I'm here.
1: (laughs) This is exactly why I'm
0: doing this. All right. So that's our show. Um, Thank you so much, Stephanie, again. Again, you guys can have access to her link. It'll be on the YouTube channel. It'll be available on the podcast. Remember, the goal is to ensure we maintain a level of communication to support one another. That's what this show is about. We need to understand next steps. We have to be a resource. We help one another navigate through challenging situations. So on that note, To all my veterans and families out there, be blessed. Please be blessed, because you are. And know that I am speaking to you. But more importantly, someone is always listening. And I say that because I don't want you to give up. Somebody is listening. And that someone is not just me. It's people like Stephanie. That is my show. My name is Dr. Bryant. I want to thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Bryant Speaks. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please locate others on all the popular podcast channels and YouTube under Dr. Bryant Speaks
1: and go to the website at drbryantspeaks.com for the latest info.